All right, everyone, welcome back to Stack the Pads. Um, you know, I don't know what really, we're really going to be doing with this podcast, considering what happened with RMU men's and women's hockey, but today we have a very, very special guest, and, you know, Colonial Sports Network is, is proud to welcome in one of the most prestigious uh, members of Robert Morris' alumni. Um, Robert Morris University, you know, grad, uh, played, for the, played in the NWHL as well as a, she's an Olympian. A two-time world champion as well, and one-time silver medal world champion, and a two-time silver uh, medal champion in the Olympics. Three thousand eight hundred and nine saves uh, in RMU history. That's still a record. Please welcome in RMU legend uh, Brianne McGlotten Biddle. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. Um, I, you know, I was looking back through the, and I, I've always wanted to sit down with you and you know have a conversation. And I was looking back, and I already assumed like, oh, Century's probably interviewed her in the past. Um, but I was looking back, and really like. Uh, there hasn't been anything for at least in the recent in recent memory for my for my uh you know past five six years uh, <laughs> all washed up yeah <laughs> well you, you just gone. came you just came from olympic tryouts how did that go uh it was good i'm coaching now yeah um so it's kind of cool to see it on the other side you know you go through it as a player and it's like what are they thinking what do they want and then being in the room making those decisions was a little bit of a different different experience mm. but it was fun where were the tryouts at? There. What's that? Where were they at? Um, we we um, everything that we do is out in Blaine, Minnesota. Okay. So that's where right. our, kind of our home base is for the women's team. Nice. Um, so we kind of have to talk about this because it's it's in the news, and I, I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts on it as well. Um, Robert Morris's decision on May 26 at 2:01 p.m. I will remember that you know date, uh, and I'm sure a lot of other people were. Um, what was your initial reaction to it? And when did you first find out? Um, I found out, well, Logan, he found out like basically while it was happening, then called me right afterwards, which thank goodness he did. Cause I had voicemail after voicemail of all these people. Like <laughs> we want to talk about what happened. And I would have been like, I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> I was like at the park with my, with my oldest. Um, but it was weird because he had told me, okay, like hockeys are done. They just cut hockeys. And it's like with everything going on in the world, like the world is ending. Of course they cut hockey. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. it's probably financial hockey's expensive. Um, but I think just like everybody else, like the more and more, the longer this is going on and how long it took to hear anything, it's just getting mm-hmm. a little bit more like confusing on what the decision was all about. Yeah, I mean, and you, you mentioned, like, from a personal standpoint, and Logan was just, you know, you guys were both coaching. Logan got out, and he's with, you know, the Penn's Elite now. Um, how much of an impact has that, as, and then, of course, you as a goaltending coach for men's hockey, how much has it had an impact on you just personally? Like, you guys didn't get the warning as well um, until, what, like 10 minutes before? Yeah, um, it was tough. Those next couple of days were a little different. You know, because it was like, okay, like, that's understandable. And then it started settling in. And it was like, he's, all of our whole alumni group were going back and forth and reminiscing on the days. And then it got a little bit sad. Like, this is something, the reason why I went to Robert Morris in the first place was because I wanted to start from scratch and build something. And we never left. Like We've been mm-hmm. in, in Moon, still plugging away. And Logan mm-hmm. was coaching. So it's been a part of my life since 2005. Yeah. Like you said, Logan just left, but it's still something that we've both poured our heart and soul into, and we have so many great memories, and it's just weird that it's just not going to be there anymore. 
Yeah. I, and you mentioned the memories and like, you know, you're a big part of that. You have your own banner at the Island Sports Center because like, I mean, you're a big part of the success and the, and the pride that's the, that both of these programs have had, you know, hosting the Frozen Four, going to the Battle of the Berg tournament, going to the NCAA uh, tournaments with the, you know, in recent years, all these successful players going to the NWHL as well. You know, how gut-wrenching is it to feel that the university doesn't really value that? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Um, something that was kind of tough for me to accept is, and we can go all the way back, but um, when I lived out in Blaine, Minnesota was the first place I was centralized with the national team. And I've heard about Minnesota hockey like my entire life and how big it is. And it was like, whatever. And then I moved out there and was like, oh, my God, there's just hockey everywhere. Like elementary school and has hockey teams and not only that, but girls hockey teams. So when I moved back to Pittsburgh, I was like, I want that to be here. I want people to be talking about, oh, you want good players? Go to Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And we all went to work on building that. And the university was such a big part of that because we do have the Penguins. And I think that sparks an interest in hockey and young kids. But like as far as being in it and being at practices, that's what the uh, RMU players were for. You know, they had escaped the Colonials and they were going out to all these youth hockey practices and all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't just us alumni that poured everything into it. It's these little kids that I've known since mm -hmm. they were three years old putting hockey skates on saying i want to play i want to be a colonial yeah i'm like that's amazing and now they're old enough to do that and it's not around anymore um while i was on the call with you know chris howard when he spoke to the media and he kept mentioning like the financials and how money is really what it came down to um and he mentioned that the island sports center um as you know needing upgrades and things like that what are your personal opinions on the island sports center is it a good rink um, I know your goal is, you know, skate around as much, but like, you know, what, what's the ice conditions like, you know, would you play, a, you know, like a game seven there or would you want to play it in like a better ice surface? Yeah. I, it's not necessarily the ice surface. I think it's like, it's a beautiful hockey rink. Yeah. Um, but I know recruiting, like just in that conference, um, you know, Derek and Paul, they're recruiting against Penn state and, you know, like these they have the, they have the like a big yeah. like a big facility and just for hockey and it's just theirs whereas the, a public rink mm -hmm. i think it's more that of creating a space just for the women's and men's hockey teams it's just theirs and it's a little bit bigger and you know more of like a bull kind of thing so the financials of putting that together is no slim endeavor so i know that that i mean that's got to be a factor it is expensive I think mm -hmm. the only thing we were bummed about was like, well, like, let us know, you know, the second they cut hockey, like all of us were on a call. There was like a hundred alumni on a call together. Like, how do we do this? How do we get them back? Is it possible to get them back? Let's fundraise. So if the decision was, Hey, it's, it's getting a little bit tough to have these teams be financially stable and be successful. Like I think being successful is out of the question because they've been, some of the most successful teams, even with the resources that they have. Yeah. Um, but if it's, you know, funding them, I, we maybe could have done something about it. Yeah. And that's We're still trying, but a little yeah. bit of a warning, a little bit of a warning to the players, even like, Hey, we can only sustain this for one more year. Like that mm -hmm. kind of stuff is more. Yeah. And at least something like that would let players, you know, prepare. Um, Cause that's the other aspect is that, 
you know, we saw three players officially. Uh, a lot of other players have not, you know, committed yet but, or announced yet. But um, Reagan Kirk, um, Lexi Templeman, and Emily Curlett are the only three that officially moved on to Ohio State. And, again, congratulations to them for being able to continue their careers, especially Lexi and Emily getting a, a fifth year in there. Um, yeah. So let's, uh, let's move away from the doom and gloom. And doom and gloom and i'll talk about your career just overall um because you know as i mentioned before i've been wanting to you know talk to you about just your career and um i'm a fan so i'll just say that from the beginning <laughs> let's start let's start from the beginning uh when did you you know start and pick up a stick and start to play hockey were you always a goalie pretty much really? um they do it the same now where you rotate around and everybody wears the pads for a game or something like that and it was only me and one other boy that ever wanted to play and after a while, we're really close with their family still to this day. Yeah. Like, Patrick, you stink. Like, get yeah. this. <laughs> so I was the only one that ever wanted to do it. And uh, my older, older brother was a forward. So we always joke. He was, you, you can only play with us if you play goalie and you can't cry if you get hurt. So that, yeah. was, the rule. that was the rules. So I didn't really have a choice either way. <laughs> so did you ever regret it? Like, early on in your career, I'm like, I, I need to switch to the defense. No? No. Yeah. Um, were you always number 35? Is there any special significance behind it? Oh, I was 33 in or college. 33. In college um, yeah, I was 33 because of Patrick Waugh. Okay. He was my favorite goalie growing up. And, um, and then when I got to the national team, um, the goalie that I had replaced was number 29. And we were going right from tryouts to a tournament. So they just kind of slapped McLaughlin on the back of the 29. But all of my apparel, like my skate covers, everything had 29 already stitched in it. So mm. I was like, well, I'm not going to switch now. <laughs> so it's 29 for the rest of my career once, well, I guess, 2009. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the Ohio Flames uh, and that, you know, experience, uh, kind of the growth of you as a player coming up through, through the junior programs. And I asked this question, like, pretty much any player that I have on and that, that made it to the NCAA level and, in your case, beyond. Um, when did you start to realize that you were pretty good at hockey and that you thought you could do something with it in your career? This wasn't just, you know, a hobby that you really enjoyed. It was something that you wanted to do for the rest of your life. Um, we have, well, through USA Hockey, it's split up into districts. So we are the Mid-Am district. And I went to one of those tryouts and I made my first like national team development thing, which is. Um, used as a scouting tool for USA Hockey. Mm -hmm. And I made one of those, I think, my freshman year of high school and and then my sophomore year. And when I made it my sophomore year, we had a, an exit meeting and the coaches were like, you know, what do you want to do with hockey? You know, you finished, I don't remember, whether top, middle, bottom of the group, I don't I don't recall, but like, what do you want to do? And I had said how I wanted to play Division One hockey and also I was playing like boys hockey in Elyria, Ohio. <laughs> And they're like, no one's going to come see you. No, you're yeah. never going to get that chance if you're just playing boys hockey in this like podunk town. <laughs> yeah. um, so the Ohio Flames were the closest team to me. They were stationed out in Kent State, which is like an hour and 15 minutes from here. Mm -hmm. They practiced twice a week. So I was driving back and forth uh, for those practices. Um, I'd made some all-star things when I was playing for the Flames and um I think going into your senior year was when you could get contacted by coaches. 
So I'd gone my whole junior year and I was like one of the top goalies. And I'm thinking like, I'm going to get all these phone calls. It's going to be great. I had some friends that were seniors the year before and they had all these missed calls because they were on vacation. And I thought that was going to be the same deal. And then July 1st came around and there was like (laughs) zero phone calls. (laughs) It was like a couple D3 schools and uh, Mercyhurst. Oh, yeah. You ever consider going to Mercyhurst? Yeah, I was like all in. I was so excited to go to Mercyhurst. And I went on my recruiting visit and he was like, you're basically going to be a third string goalie. Yeah, that's the other thing I was going to mention. Like, you know, how how challenging was it to find a spot? Like you're a goaltender, so there's only two to three spots per team. And, you know, kind of alluding back to the cancellation of of RMU men's and women's hockey. Like it's tough for them too because the goaltenders because there's not many spots you can, you know, squeeze into there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, finding a spot as a player, just regardless of the situation at Robert Morris, um, that's a message I like to tell the younger kids and even the parents is like, was there 35 teams, X amount of people, Mm -hmm. but they get to choose from US, Canada, Europe. Like, how good is your kid now? Once you Mm -hmm. think about (laughs) that, you know, and maybe they Mm -hmm. are the top, but just a realization of how hard it actually is to get one of those spots. Um, back when I was going through it, it was still kind of new. So like if you were decent, you could probably find somewhere to go, um, which is how I got in. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, tell um, me about now that. It's, now it's much harder. Yeah. Well, tell me about that. You're, you know, when did you first get in contact with Robert Morris about coming, uh, you know, to play here? It was pretty close up until my, um, my visit with Mercy Harris. Cause I remember coming home and being kind of bummed that, that's where they had me and mm-hmm. they were going to have another freshman coming in. So I'd compete against her all four years and whatever. So they had, uh, Robert Morris had called and asked me to come up. So I just kind of cut across and went over to Robert Morris and it was like, this is a starting, starting program. You're going to get mm-hmm. a million shots a game. We need a starting yeah. goalie. We need somebody that can handle it. And um, that's when I played my best is when I had a ton of shots, which is that you're going to hear that a lot from any goalie is you like getting a lot of shots on net. And um, so it was just a perfect fit. And I was able to be a starting goalie right from the start. Like I said, I wanted to start something fresh and see where we can take it. And you put on a a lot of teams, like not not even Robert Morris, but a lot of, you know, different teams, whether that be international um, NWHL. Um, if there's one player throughout your entire career that you wish to have protecting you in front of the net, who is it? Ooh, protecting me in front of the net? Or, or just in front of the net or, or whoever it is. Like, it could be a score so that, that you know. Well, you mentioned, though, like you like to get a lot of shots, so maybe you don't want to score. Yeah. So <laughs> they're in the offensive end the entire time. Maybe you'd like someone like me who know. doesn't know how to play defense at all. So you get You're like right. 50 shots a period. I don't think I've ever got asked that question. Um, I don't know if I have a specific person, but growing up, I played boys hockey and I played Mm -hmm. with the same exact group of boys, basically all the way up until I I left. So I had like 15 brothers and anytime Mm -hmm. somebody would slash me, there was like 15 people just like, (laughs) yeah, there would a brawl would start if anybody messed with me. So that was kind of nice. Yeah, it didn't affect the amount of shots I got, but if anybody messed with me, they got taken down pretty quickly. <laughs> so, 
Um, you spent four years at Robert Morris, um, and we kind of alluded to this earlier uh, when we were talking about the cancellations. But you know, this program has grown a lot, and I guess will not grow anymore. But in your not only just four years there, but ever since you've been with the program, how much growth have you seen? Just you know, through because you mentioned you wanted Pittsburgh to be the new Minnesota in terms of a hockey you know culture, and you know, Penguins winning Stanley Cups definitely helps that. That's, you know, what motivated me to get into hockey. Um, but slowly but surely, Robert Morris was starting to motivate young kids as well. Um, and it's disappointing that it can't happen, you know, anymore. But still, um, how much growth did you see throughout your entirety at Robert Morris and the programs? A ton. Like <laughs> yeah. When I played for the Flames, if you were decent in Pittsburgh, you were coming to Cleveland to play to play for like we had half yeah. of our team was from Pittsburgh and I think there was maybe like 10 of us that played division one hockey on that flames team. Um, and now it's the complete opposite. It's like the good Cleveland kids are going to Pittsburgh cause the hockey's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the players that are here that they're like, Oh, I like, I think I'm pretty good cause I'm, you know, the top whatever in Ohio and I'll go, okay, we'll go try out for the Penns elite and see what happens. And then they're like, Oh, <laughs> Yeah. I got I got some work to do. So um, there wasn't a girls program in Pittsburgh. There wasn't really anything when I first moved out there. It was just boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had started. Uh, what was it called? Team. Team Pittsburgh, maybe. And I had helped coach that team. It was like a U14 team. And then we watched all those kids like, a couple years later. I think like five of them went to wound up playing division one hockey and that kind of spun off into what the Penn's elite is now. Yeah. Well, yeah. Speaking um, of the Penn's elite, um, I, I wanted to ask just cause I'm curious, when did you meet Logan? Um, and how did that, you know, relationship? <laughs> he was like one of my first friends on the men's team. So I yeah. met him, I think my first college party ever as a freshman when I was 18 years old. Um, I don't recall meeting him at that party. He oh, said, yeah. He said that we spoke to each other. I don't know. Um, but he was always one of my really good friends on the men's team. Yeah. Um, but he had moved away. He had always had a girlfriend. I always had a boyfriend. And he moved away to play a little bit of pro hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, I had left for that year for centralization for the, the 2010 Olympics. Then we both moved back to Pittsburgh. So yeah. that's, when, that's when we started dating back then. Yeah. It's um, been a while. Yeah. Um... I want to talk about the NWHL because, you know, I've been getting into that a lot more. And I think a lot of people are um, slowly but surely, you know, jumping on the hype there. What was your experience like in the NW, um, you know, in your two seasons there with the Buttes? I loved playing for the Buttes. It was, it was a startup, you know. It reminded yeah. me, and this is, I think, why I liked it so much is because my Robert Morris team was – like hands down my favorite team I ever played for. We were horrible at hockey and we just loved each other and we had a blast together. Like we'd lose and we're just like, okay, whatever. And we would just go play. And (laughs) then I got to the national team. It was very serious and a lot of different personalities, but finishing my career back on a team that was just horrible. And I got a ton of shots and I got to be a starting goalie. Like it was just like, I don't know that like love for the game that I didn't realize I had like lost a little bit. It kind of like brought that back for me. So um, I think you can go back and forth with what 
the NWHL is, but at that time it was, it was a starting thing. Um, we ran into some trouble that second year with our contracts and whatever, which we kind of saw that coming, but, um, in a lot of different ways, like it's, it's trending upward. Um, it's always going to struggle because the top players from the U S and Canada aren't going to play there. Um, but I think that's okay. You know, on the men's side, there's the, the NHL, the AHL, there's, there's so many different levels of pro hockey. And I think that's what it ultimately needs to do is just, there needs to be a league that's going to support those high end players. Um, and then also give a home to some other players that mm-hmm. maybe wouldn't be able to play. Cause it's so split right now. There's definitely yeah, players there's in that, a lot of that, could, that could play. Yeah. JC Gebhardt's playing but, over in what yeah. country is she in? She's in JC Gebhardt's like over in Switzerland or something. Like, like know, there's a lot no of like home base. So everybody's yeah. just thrown all over the place. So I'm hoping at some point there'll just be one like really put together. Yeah. Montreal is getting a new team. Um, in your perfect world, what is the team mascot? <laughs> Another question I've never gotten before. Yeah. I'm horrible at that game. I'm not very creative in that manner. Uh, like if we had a team in Pittsburgh? Yeah, that. well, that's that was my next question. I would love a team in Pittsburgh. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, what would that be called? We've gone back be- and forth with this because I think it's great for these teams to be in NHL markets. Like there's mm-hmm. an argument for both. Mm-hmm. sometimes the girls get overlooked if it's in an NHL market. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you put it in a smaller town, like it's a big event mm-hmm. that people can go to. So there's pluses and minuses of both. But um, yeah, and then we were like, okay, do you go off of what the men's are? Like there's a an older lady hockey league and they're the Puffins. So it's mm-hmm. like still a penguin, but mm-hmm. a different kind of penguin. So. I don't know. That'd be amazing. Um, just what were you, I don't know how closely you followed the NW this, this season, but um, just from my, you know, perspective watching it, uh, Toronto six were a fun story. I really like Lindsay Eastwood because that was like, you know, I'm, I'm just started covering sports, you know, entering college. And she was a player that I actually got to watch in person. And then we have Natalie Marcuse. Um, and then, you know, uh, Maggie Legoo representing Robert Morris as well. Um, but, what were your thoughts on just the season overall and who impressed you? I didn't get to watch a ton. Um, I don't watch as much hockey as I, I used to in the past with these mm-hmm. two little rugrats eating up every second of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Toronto six actually um, in 2014, when we lived out in Boston, they were the people who bought that team were my neighbors. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I really, I know them quite well so it was nice to see I didn't like watch the games but I would kind of follow along just to see how they were mm. doing and reach out to them every once in a while to see yeah. if they're having a good experience with it. Michaela Grant Mendes she impressed me a lot this year um, she had you know she had an incredible I forget I don't know if she won player of the year but I know she won newcomer of the year but I don't know which is rookie day. I don't understand why it's rookie <laughs> newcomer. But, um, let's talk about the Olympics. Um, you know, you've been to two. Sochi and Vancouver, just in terms of the venue and the city itself, which was your favorite city to visit? Like just, you know, live in for a couple of weeks. Um, well, they're so different because right. Vancouver, the venues were all over the city, mm-hmm. which was a good thing and a bad thing. Like we got out and we could go to different places and go to all the different 
you know, every big company has like a house to so be like Coca-Cola house or Oakley house. And so we got to venture out and do all of those things. But then also it was in Canada. So everybody knew who all the hockey players were and they hate us more than anything. So we got, we got yelled at a lot. We got <laughs> people were being not so nice to us yeah. uh, in downtown Vancouver. Um, but then Sochi, we weren't allowed to really leave the village but they made the village like an amusement park. It was so yeah. cool. Like all the houses were in the venue or in the village, I guess. Um, and then we could just run around to different things and watch figure skating and watch whatever. Cause it was just right there. Mm. Um, so I think we had a little bit more access to um, like all the other athletes. Cause everybody yeah, was speaking, stuck in speaking one place. Of that, um, my next question is just like, you know, you went to the Olympics, like not only like, so like, when you were there, you know, who were the people that you just like saw and you're just like, I'm in the same room as this person right now. And like, or just like, I am watching history happen, you know, even though, you know, we're American, but like you were at Crosby's, you know, golden goal in, in 2010. Like, uh, you know, was there a little bit of like shock when you, when you went to these events and who were some of the people that you were just like, wow, this person is in the same room as me. Yeah. Um, that was a pretty cool moment in 2010 when we were, you spend like six months together just being the women's hike, ice hockey team and you just mm -hmm. get in this little bubble of that. And then we get to the Olympics and we were in the tunnel about to walk out for opening ceremony. And one of the bobsledders just rallied all 200, I think it was 244 of us. And we got in this huge huddle and started a USA chant and it was like one of my favorite moments of life, which mm. is hearing this like USA. And I look over and like Sean White's over to my right and like Ryan Miller's to my left. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> like all of a sudden we're just one giant team USA instead of just the women's team. That's but I'm a Do you know if there's a go. video of that anywhere? I don't, maybe I actually, I had like one of those flip cameras. I have oh, never yeah. looked at the footage, but I think I might have that. I that would be amazing. Have. That would be an amazing find. Um, yeah. And we saw, um, we were in the dining hall, and me and my goalie partner were big Henrik Lundqvist fans. And we saw him walk up and like go up to the McDonald's for a coffee. And we were just like creepy, like standing behind him. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah. Can I help you? We're like, No, we're just creeping, actually. I don't right. need it. I'll take yeah. a coffee, maybe. <laughs> so um, I do this little segment, I guess, you know. I don't know really what I want to call it, but it used to be like five quick questions, but these are kind of more in-depth questions. These are just completely five random questions that I have. Um, and I, you've said twice so far that I, you've asked questions that you've never heard before. I'm hoping you get a couple more of those in here. Yeah, you're um, stumping me. What's that? You're stumping me with some of these questions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so as a goalie, uh, I came up with five pretty interesting questions, in my opinion. Um so we'll start with that right now. Which opposing goal horn has been the most annoying to you? All of them. I'm a goalie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I ever paid attention to what was what, but I remember in Minnesota, I heard it like a million times, and then yeah. they spell Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So they were halfway through spelling Minnesota, and they scored again, and everybody just started over again. So that was pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Well, I that's my, that. my second question is what, uh, <laughs> which fan base, you know, is the most annoying and, and harassing to goaltenders in your opinion? 
See, this is going to be an interesting answer because I loved that. Clarkson. Yeah. yeah. Clarkson was so creative and they were so funny. And I think I played some of my best hockey because they were like, they were harassing me from behind. And I like turned around, took off my glove and like blew him a kiss. And everybody mm. was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so the yeah, next goalies, day they had like all this stuff prepared to cheer yeah. for me. Goalies either love it or hate it. And, you know, I feel like I the, the, good goalies, the good goalies embrace it and, you know, make it part of the game. It's, it's almost impossible to ignore it. So Yeah. I ended um, up talking to them after the game and they were like, yeah. oh, let's – the Niagara goalie, Allison, she didn't like it very much. She took off her glove, too, but she gave us the finger. And I was, like, really good mm. friends with her, so I called her. <laughs> She's like, oh, I hated that. Yeah. <laughs> um, any interesting masks, mask stories, like goalie mask stories? Yeah. Have you ever had any, you know, significant meanings behind any of the designs that you've worn? Um, I'm trying to think. My one in college, I had, um, I saw this really cool poster of Jimmy Craig. Mm-hmm. It was like a kind of like a cartoonish looking one, but like, uh, he had like his glove up in the air and there's Olympic rings in the background. Um, so I had that replicated, but he was wearing a Robert Morris Jersey instead of a USA Jersey. Um, oh my God. Yes. That's, I think it may have been the same mask. I saw, um, a Michigan goalie. It was like somebody flexing around like the arms came down and it gave me the idea of like putting people on my helmet and then like have their chest painted like rmu and i don't know what got lost in translation but i i walked up to my coach's office and he asked to see me and he takes his helmet out of the bag and like slams it on the desk he's like what were you thinking what are you doing and there was just like naked people all over like no jerseys no chest paint they were just like naked people (laughs) all over my helmet so we had to send it back and get it redone you have a picture of that i wish i did because i had asked them to like make the people like just to be funny like make my my family like my brother and all this stuff so i essentially had my brother like shirtless on my on my helmet interesting um I don't think I have pictures, though. I wish I did. Yeah. Well, not hopefully not the full picture. The moment was kind of heated. I don't know if he would have appreciated. Can I take a picture of that real quick? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what's the hardest shot that you've ever faced from any particular player? Or just if you remember the shot or the game or whatever, where you just went, wow. I just stood in front of that. Um, you know what? I just saw Natalie Darwitz next week, and I told her, she just had a really heavy shot. It was one of my first practices and she came down and wound up at the hash marks and it just like hit me right in the chest. I was like, <coughs> t- took my breath away. But the absolute hardest shot was Mark Recchi. Yeah. He hit Where'd me in you... like the knob of my stick and it shattered my stick into pieces. Where'd you face off against him? Um, Lemieux was getting ready for his like fantasy camp and he has all of those guys like play. So I was at the rink. It was the year I was the assistant coach. So maybe 2013. Yeah. And um, they were out there practicing without a goalie. And I went walking by and they're like, you're a goalie. Get your stuff. Mm -hmm. So I went out there and I skated with Lemieux and Recky, Coffee, like all those guys. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I bet. Um, And then last one, do you have any superstitions? You know, there's the the classic uh, goalies are weird type of thing. Um, Do you agree (laughs) with that statement? I'm assuming you do. 
I've like spent my life trying to not be the weird girl. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to stay away from all superstitions and weird things. So I would not be called a weird goalie, but I wouldn't say superstitions, but I had my routines, I guess. I always got dressed the same way. I would always do some like tennis ball drills before Mm -hmm. games. I always tried to take a nap, but I didn't have any like weird things. I don't think. Gotcha. Well, um, before we wrap up just nowadays, um, your career is still, you know, going around coaching. Um, but there was a stint where you appeared on American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> what made you want to try that? And what, tell, just tell me about that experience because I watched the footage and I'm like, wow, did not know she did that. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do it very well. Uh, we were at the coaches convention in Naples and I had this voicemail saying, I'm a producer for American Ninja Warrior. And I thought it was a joke. I'm like, who's messing with me? And we couldn't figure out whose number it was. So I actually called and it was real life. Um, but they, they're they an NBC um, mm-hmm. show. And NBC is an Olympic affiliate. So they, whenever they can, they try to get Olympians involved in whatever they're doing. So I went home and I typed in like ninja gyms in Pittsburgh. And I found one an hour away. And I drove out there and it was like, all these walk-ons there, they go from city to city and like wait in line forever for a chance to be on the show and run the course. And so I go walking in there and I'm like, listen, I'm going to be on the show and I know my run is going to be aired. So you need to teach me everything you can in the next hour. So I don't look like an idiot. on national television. Yeah. They even did like a little package on you. Like they, they like introduced you and everything. Yeah. You weren't just like, Oh, the next guy from Wisconsin. That's, you know, uh-huh. uh, so all the walk-ons were pretty pissed at me because they like spend their life yeah. training and yeah. um, but I made friends with them pretty quick. So they yeah. they kind of they taught me how to do the warped wall, yeah. the salmon ladder, like all the staple ones that are always there at that time. So you I knew how to do all of those. It's like, all right, if I can get to the end of the course, I can do the the wall. I could do it, but I didn't get that far. Have you you've done the wall though before? You've completed I've it. I've done the wall yeah. and I've done the salmon list. So I do I have a video that. of all of those things. Like, sweet, as long as this, 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 and this are there, I'm good. And yeah. you don't see the course till you get there. Yeah. So I'm out walking up and I looked at it and I was like, never seen it. Absolutely yeah. can't do it. Never going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was I used fun. To it was a new that, so. I, experience. That, that's an interesting sport. Um, but yeah. Oh, they're um, just and like then, freakishly strong, those yeah. people. Grip strength is what it really is. It's yes. all about. Yeah. I'm used to like team events, and if you screw up, it's okay because you still have all these teammates. Where this one is like, this is all on me, and if I screw yeah. up, I just lose. So, um, what's next with for Brian McGlotten? Obviously, the Olympics and coaching, but Robert Morris hockey is no longer. Um, so, you know what's what's next for you? Um, we have our World Championships in August. I don't know if you saw the girls were there. At World Championships, it's normally in the spring. Um, they were very close to getting on a plane and traveling to Canada, and the IHF canceled their World Championships. Mm-hmm. Um, so I we, we just had our second son, so I wasn't going to be going anyways. But um, they had canceled it, and they rescheduled it for August. So now we are still training for World mm-hmm. Championships. <laughs> this should be a time of a little bit of a break yeah. that the girls don't get. Um, but we'll do that. We were supposed to centralize in Minnesota starting in September, but since world championships are in August, we're going to do that, take a break and then move out there in October. 
and I will be there helping the girls train. Well, we wish you the best of luck. And uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for joining me and us at Colonial Sports Network. I really do appreciate it. It's been an honor. (laughs) Thanks for having me. It was great. Thank you. Appreciate it.